Chapter 13 The Question of Questions Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and, finding him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? John 9.35 The eye of the Lord Jesus is always on his chosen, and he knows every circumstance which happens to them. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Our Lord had done too much for this man to forget him. Where grace has performed a great work, its memory lingers. As it is written, Thou wilt have a desire towards the work of thine hands. Job 14.15 Let us take comfort in this. If anything has happened to hurt us, Jesus has heard of it and will act accordingly. Our Lord sought out the outcast one. Unasked, he opened his eyes. Unsought, he looked after him in his hour of trouble. He wasn't easy to find, but our Lord is great at searching out his lost sheep, and he persevered until he found him. If we ever seem cast away from Christ or cast out by proud religionists, he will find us when we cannot find him. Blessed be his name. Our Lord's objective was to present this man with something of real value. He had been cast out of the synagogue, so he needed comfort. But it would be a magnificent thing to comfort him in such a way as to lead him onward and upward in the divine life. Our Lord's way of comforting was to ask a question which would lead to heart searching and, ultimately, spiritual advance. It isn't the way you and I might take, but his ways are not our ways, neither are his thoughts our thoughts. Scripture for my thoughts are not as your thoughts, neither are your ways as my ways, saith the Lord. Isaiah 55, 8. Wisdom is justified in her methods. It is the best thing, when a man is in soul trouble, to make him look at his own condition before God, and especially to his faith, because when he finds that he is right on the main point, this assurance will be a wellspring of comfort to him. We are sure that the Lord used the very best way to bring this man to well-grounded confidence when he said to him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He used this question to help him make a considerable advance in faith, because even though the poor man had believed in Jesus up to the measure of his knowledge, his knowledge had been slender. Now he learned that the opener of his eyes was the Son of God. This is the type of faith the person of our Lord deserves, but many have never rendered it to Him. Because of this, they miss the great power of His grace. The man was excommunicated. He was then placed under the ban of the Jewish church, but trust in the Son of God quickly removed any alarm he might have felt on that account. He who enjoys the favor of the Son of God will not tremble at the frown of the Sanhedrin. Oh, I pray that the Lord would comfort many as I ask each one of you this one personal question. Dost thou believe in the Son of God? To young and old, to rich and poor, I will ask this serious question. It's not a confusing question on a difficult-to-understand point, but a simple and urgent question relating to every single person. It's not a profound and intricate problem, a question of free will or predestination, of post-millennial or pre-millennial advents. It's a practical question, pressing and present, and one that concerns every man in his everyday life 
at this very moment. I ask you to picture me with my hand on your shoulder, looking you in the face, and saying, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? This is not a question out of which angry controversy should arise, because it has to do with yourself and yourself only. Whatever discussion there may be will be confined within your own heart. It concerns you only, and it's even put in the singular, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? It was asked by Jesus Himself to this man. So, consider that. Jesus asks you the same question, apart even from your wife or friend. The question needs to be raised. I'll begin pressing home the question, by the help of the Holy Spirit, by saying that the question needs to be raised. It must not be taken for granted that you believe on the Son of God. Oh, yes, I'm a Christian, says one. I was born in a Christian country, I was taken to church while I was a baby, christened, and now I repeat the creed. Surely this is sufficient proof of my faith. Or maybe you say, My mother took me to the meeting house before I could walk, and ever since I have kept the ways of old fashioned nonconformity. All this may be true, but it's not the point. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? This is a spiritual and vital question. Which cannot be set aside. You reply, My moral character has always been upright. In business, I have always paid my bills, and I've always been ready to help every charitable institution. I'm glad to hear all this, but it still does not touch the matter in hand. This question goes deeper than outward conduct. Hear it again. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Numbers of moral, friendly, generous, and even religious people. Have not believed on the Son of God. Please excuse me, but I can't let you slip through in the crowd. I must grab a hold of you with a holy intensity that even forgets courtesy for the moment. I must ask even the best of you, dost thou believe on the Son of God? Even though this man had been scrupulously obedient, our Lord asked the question. It may be that I'm speaking to some who say, I have been obedient to the duties of religion at all times. Whatever I found to be commanded of God in His Word, I have carefully carried out. Wasn't it the same with this man born blind? The Saviour put clay on his eyes and told him to go to the pool of Siloam and wash off the clay, and the man did exactly as he was told. He did not go to another pool, but to the pool of Siloam. He didn't attempt to get the clay off his eyes by any other process than that of washing. He was very obedient to Christ. Yet the Lord said to him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? No outward observances, however carefully carried out, will make the question unnecessary. I am afraid that some of you have not been very careful in fulfilling outward ordinances, and for this you are worthy of blame, but even if you had been scrupulously exact, no outward observances, however carefully followed out, can exempt you from the question, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? This man had also passed through a very remarkable experience. He could honestly say, One thing I know, that having been blind, now I see. He could never forget the long night he experienced while a child, a youth, and a man. All those years, no ray of light had ever brought him joy. To him, night and day were much the same. He had sat in deep poverty all through that dreary darkness, 
and learned no skill but that of a beggar. As the cooling water touched his eyes and washed away the clay, sunlight streamed in upon his lifelong midnight, and he saw. He had undergone all that change, and still the Saviour asked him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? So, brother, you may be a very changed man, and still not be a believer on the Son of God. You, my dear sister, may be a very different woman from what you used to be. When you tell your experience, it may be very unique and worthy of being recorded in a book, but this question must still be asked of you. Whatever your experience may be, do not forget self-examination. Don't say, I never need to question myself. The type of experiences I have had settles my position without question. I am not so childish as to look within or have any doubt about my faith. Such a remarkable case as mine cannot be suspected. Don't talk in this way, because if our Lord, who knew the change this man had undergone, still said to him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? I must press the question with even the most remarkable of people. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? This man, in addition to receiving physical sight, had exercised a degree of faith in the Lord Jesus. If you follow the chapter through, you'll see that he had some sort of faith in Christ while he was blind, or he would not have gone to Siloam to wash away the clay. And when he saw, he didn't doubt that Jesus had really made him whole, and he stated the fact publicly. He also said, He is a prophet. He went further still and said, If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. He had believed as far as his light helped him to believe, so that the seeds of faith were in him. Still, our Lord Jesus Christ pressed him with the question, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Beloved friends, you may never have been troubled with skepticism. It may be that you haven't even examined the grounds of your faith, because you've never been tempted to suspect them. You've embraced the gospel from your youth as true, so you've believed it without being confused. I am thankful that you have done so. Still, do you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Is Jesus God to you? Do you trust Him as able to do anything and everything for you? To you is He able also to save to the uttermost those that come unto God by Him? Hebrews 7.25 If not, may the Lord help you to take this step, because, short of this, you have not received the true Christ of God. It is of very little use to say, Oh, yes, I believe in Christ. He was the noblest of examples. I believe in Christ. He was the most instructive of prophets. Do you believe in Him also as the sacrifice, as the priest, the Savior, and the salvation? And gathering all up into one, do you believe in Him as the Son of God? Do you believe in the Son of God as revealed in Holy Scripture? Furthermore, this man had spoken out bravely for Christ, as you saw in chapter 9 of the Gospel of John. He was shrewd, sharp, and unanswerable. The learned doctors didn't even compare with the blind beggar whose eyes had been opened. He stood up for the man who had given him sight and allowed no charge to stand against him. His statements were short but full, and his answers were themselves unanswerable. Who would have thought that a blind beggar could have crafted such a logical argument as he did. Yet to this bold confessor the Saviour had to say, 
Dost thou believe on the Son of God? My friend, as a preacher, you may be able to declare the gospel very clearly to others, and you may enforce it with powerful arguments, but dost thou believe on the Son of God? Even in your case, the question must be asked. Some of you may remember that story which is told in one of Krumacher's books. I half forget it myself, but it goes something like this. The preacher had delivered a quite serious sermon. Then, on the following Monday, he was waited on by one of his hearers, who said, Sir, if what you said last Sunday was true, what will become of us? Now, if he had said, What will become of me? the preacher would have explained still further to him the gospel in the usual way. As it was, he stressed the word us. His visitor almost unconsciously said, Alas, dear sir, if these things are true, what shall we do? The Lord used that plural pronoun to awaken the preacher who had not been converted even though he thought he had been. I pray that we who speak for God may also hear the Lord speak to us. I know the good preacher, and love him very much, who, when he was preaching, as he had done for years, was saved through the personal application of his own sermon. He is a minister of the Church of England, but he did not know the Lord. While he was preaching, the Lord applied to his heart a gospel truth which so affected him that he spoke with the accent of conviction which is natural to a renewed man. At last a Methodist, who was in the church, shouted out, the parsons converted, hallelujah! And all the people broke out with cries of praise. The preacher himself joined in the universal joy, and they sang together, Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Oh, what a mercy it is when the waiter at the Lord's feast is himself fed! Shouldn't those who are to bear the healing balm to the sick be themselves healed? I have not been ashamed to speak in my Lord's name nor have I blushed to defend his cause before his enemies. Still, I must remember that I may have done all this, and still I may not know the king to whom I have been a herald. Friends, how terrible it would be to have cast out devils in his name and still be unknown to him! Therefore we press the question, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? This man had gone further still, because he had suffered for Christ. He had been put out of the synagogue for bearing witness to the power of Jesus, but he still had to hear the question, Dost thou believe? Yes, you may have been laughed at by your relatives for your religiousness. You may have had to quit a good job because of your determination to be honest, self-controlled, and pure. You may even now stand under the ban of some cold-hearted church because you displayed more passion than was desired. And even though I appreciate your faithfulness, you must excuse me if I buttonhole you in the Lord's name and say, as Christ did to this man, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? It's one thing to play the hero before our fellow men, and another to be true in the secret chamber of our own soul. You are bold in your confession, but do you really believe in the Lord Jesus? Can that bold confession be supported by your life? I hope you are not a defender of the faith in the same manner as Henry the Eighth. He wore the title, but was by no means worthy of it. Come, my eloquent friend, do you live according to how you talk? Do you feel yourself as you desire to make me feel? Dost thou believe on the Son of God?
you will see from my persistence that I am not for letting anybody escape the personal question. My respected friend, who has been an officer of this church longer than anybody else, will not refuse to ask himself this question. My beloved sister in Christ, who has conducted a Bible class for years and has been so useful in the schools, will not refuse to answer this searching word. I must even dare to make this inquiry of a faraway minister. My Father in Christ, whose shoes buckle I am not worthy to loosen, I must even ask you, just as I ask myself, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? This question must be asked, and asked of everybody, because many people nowadays do not believe on the Son of God. There are many who would be very offended if we denied their right to the name of Christian, who nevertheless do not know the Son of God. These folks admire a man who will concoct a sermon to show that they may be Christians and not believe on Jesus as God. I will preach no such sermon until I lose my ability to reason, but I will press upon this unbelieving age this vital question, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? If you don't believe in this way, your faith falls short of that which Christ requires you to possess, and you had better be careful or it will fall short of landing you in heaven. With a Saviour less than divine, you have a religion less than saving. How is it with you? Will you believe on the Son of God alone, or run with the vain multitude who see nothing in Him but a man? I think every man here will say, You don't need to apologize, dear sir, for asking the question, because it's one we have to ask ourselves. Indeed, I know it's true. Who is there that lives so purely that he never has to examine this issue? We've heard people cry out against the hymn, Tis a point I long to know, oft it causes anxious thought. Do I love the Lord or no? Am I his or am I not? But if a man never has an anxious thought about his position, I would have many anxious thoughts about him. One of our poets has well said, He that never doubted of his state, he may, perhaps, he may too late. There are so many things about us, all of which we need to mourn over, and these cause us to ask the questions, Is my faith the faith which works by love and purifies the soul? Do I truly believe on the Son of God? At times we rejoice in an absolute certainty as to our faith in Christ, and the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. At other seasons we are challenged with great searchings of heart, and no question causes us greater anguish than this, Do I believe on the Son of God? It will be a tragedy to us if, after all our profession and experience and effort, we have no more than the name of faith and the notion of faith, but are found devoid of the life of it in our souls. Yes, the inquiry of our text is a question which needs to be asked. The question can be answered. Secondly, the question can be answered. I'm sure it can be answered, or our Lord would not have asked it, because He was never so unpractical as to go around asking men questions about themselves which it was not possible to answer. It is a question to which you can give the answer, if you are willing, of yes or no. I beg you to take practical action to answer it. It would be a most unhappy thing if this question could not be answered. 
Suppose we were condemned to live in a state of perpetual doubt in regards to our being believers in the Lord Jesus. This would produce an awakened man in a condition of constant anxiety. If I am not sure whether I am in the favor of God or not, I am in a sad condition. I remember hearing a Christian minister say to a group of people that no man could be sure that he was saved. Then I wondered what he had to preach that was worth preaching, because if we can't know that we are saved, then we can't be sure that we are at peace with God, and that would cause us to be in jeopardy every hour. There can be no peace to the mind of the awakened man if he doesn't know that he is saved. It's like one at sea who is half afraid that his ship is off course and may soon strike a rock, but isn't quite sure whether it is or not. The captain shouldn't rest until he has taken his bearings and found out his position in reference to the dangers of the sea and the hope of reaching the desired haven. To leave his ship's position an unresolved point would be to continue in fear and to invite danger. To leave your faith in question is to risk a vital point. He who can leave this hinge of the soul's condition unexamined must be sadly seared in conscience. There is a possibility of knowing with certainty that you believe on the Son of God. Did I say there is a possibility of it? Thousands have attained this certainty. You can know that you believe on the Son of God as surely as you know that there is a Queen of England, or as surely as you know that you exist, and you can know without falling into fanaticism or presumption. Many among us are so immersed in the Lord Jesus that we could no more question the existence of faith in our own hearts than we could dispute the fact that our hearts beat. Such assured people avoid no examination. For them, the more examination, the better, because their hope has firm and deep foundations. They can give a reason for the hope that is in them. Scripture, But also, if ye suffer anything for righteousness' sake, blessed are ye. Therefore be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to respond to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and reverence, having a good conscience. So in that which they murmur against you, as of evil doers, those that blaspheme your good conversation in the Christ may be confused. 1 Peter 3, 14-16 the confidence of the believer in the Lord Jesus is as sure as mathematical certainty, because we know whom we have believed, and we are persuaded that he is able to keep that which we have committed to him. Scripture, For which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. 2 Timothy 1, 12. There are believers in our Lord Jesus to have lived for thirty years without a doubt of their faith in Him, because that faith has been in daily happy exercise. You can answer the question, Dost thou believe? because you are at this moment believing, distinctly and intensely believing. Those who dwell in the light of God's countenance and feel the Holy Spirit within them, bearing witness with their spirits, are in no doubt as to their possession of faith. If we feel a burning love toward God, a growing hatred of sin, a struggle against the evil which is in the world, and some of the likeness of Christ, we may safely conclude that these fruits of faith 
come from the root of faith. By the work of the Holy Spirit upon our life and heart, we know and are sure that we have believed in Jesus as the Son of God. I hope I speak to many this morning who are enjoying assurance and know that they have passed from death into life. This assurance requires some consciousness. How do I know that I live, breathe, stand, and walk? I can't explain to you the way I arrive at certainty on these things, but I'm quite sure that I do live, breathe, and so on. The very power to question the fact implies it. So a believer can be sure that he believes that Jesus is the Son of God. While he may not be able to give logical proof, he can still be conscious in his own soul that it is so, and he is correct in his assurance because even the very ability to be anxious about grace is an evidence of grace. If there is any question about whether you've been a believer or not for the last twenty years, don't fight that question and drive it away, but begin now to believe with the Lord's help. Turn your eyes to the cross and trust yourself wholly to Christ from this very hour. Then you will believe, and the act itself will declare its own proof. Say from your heart, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. By coming in this way, you will know that you have come, and by continuing to come, your assurance will grow that you have come. May the Holy Spirit cause the sacred fire to burn, and then you will feel the flame before long. To say, I now believe on the Son of God, is the best way of answering the question about your condition. If you want further help to answer the question, there are characteristics and evidences of true faith by which you can test yourself. Do you ask, Do I believe on the Son of God? Then answer this, Is Christ precious to you? For to you who believe, He is precious. If you love and prize Him as the most precious thing in earth or heaven, you could not have this appreciation of Him if you were not a believer. Have you undergone the change called the new birth? Have you passed through a process which could be described as being brought out of darkness into marvelous light? If so, your new birth is a sure evidence of faith, because those things go together. Faith is a proof of regeneration, but regeneration is also a proof that you have faith in the Son of God. Are you obedient to Christ? Obedience is evidence of faith, because faith works by love and purifies the soul. Has sin become bitter? Do you loathe it? Has holiness become sweet? Do you follow after it? I don't ask whether you are perfect, but is the whole current of your soul towards being perfect? Can you say that if you could live entirely without sin, it would be the greatest delight you could have, or that absolute perfection would be heaven to you? That shows which way your mind goes. It shows that there is a change of nature because no unrenewed heart yearns after perfect holiness. Your heart is bending towards Christ's perfect rule and sovereignty, and I'm sure that you have believed that He is the Son of God. You are resting upon Him with a true and living faith if you take up His cross heartily and follow Him. Again, do you love God? Do you love His people? Scripture, we know that we are passed from death unto life in that we love the brethren. 1 John 3.14. Do you love His Word? Do you delight in His worship? 
Do you bow in patience before his rod, in such a way that you pick up the bitter cup and say, Thy will be done? Matthew 6.10. These things prove that you have faith in Jesus. Pay attention to them. But suppose, after using all these inquiries and tests, you still say, Sir, this is a serious question, and requires great care. I have not settled it yet. Then follow this man in his method. He was asked, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Then he turned to the Lord and replied with another question to the Lord Jesus. We can resort to Jesus for aid. He who had once been blind eagerly asked, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? So turn in the moment of your distress and cry, Lord Jesus, I beg you to teach me to know you better so that I can have more faith in you. Go to Jesus for faith in Jesus. Also, there are certain great truths upon which faith feeds. To be sure that you have faith, you had better think about these truths. I pray that the Lord would be pleased to reveal Himself to you, so you may know Him and believe on Him. You won't remain long in any doubt if you understand those glorious things which concern your Lord. Know who He is, what He is, and what He has done. This will enable you to believe in Him as the Son of God. In the same way as men who were pressed before the courts appealed to Caesar, you appeal to Christ Himself, and you can be assured that you will find deliverance in Him. Even if your faith is hidden from yourself, it is not hidden from Him. If you can't bring it to mind by thoughts of the work of grace within, turn your mind towards your Saviour and covenant head in heaven, and faith will open itself as the blooms of flowers open to the sun. The question can be answered. The question should be answered at once. Thirdly, the question should be answered, and it should be answered at once. If I could, I would concentrate all your thoughts on this one investigation which concerns each man so vitally. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Answer this from your own soul. I am no father confessor. Be father confessors to your own selves. Let each man give his verdict at the bar of his conscience. Answer as if you are in the presence of Christ, because, like the man in the narrative, you are in his presence now. Answer for yourself before the heart searching God. Answer it to men also, because your Saviour deserves this from you. Don't be ashamed to say outright, I do believe on the Son of God. This fact must not be hidden away in a corner. Our Lord in Holy Scripture always puts open confession side by side with faith as a part of the plan of salvation. You will never find anywhere in the Word of God that he who believes and takes the Lord's Supper shall be saved. But you do find it written, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 16. Why does baptism take such a prominent place? Partly because it is the ordained form of open confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The passage is parallel with that other passage, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, 9. What less can Christ expect than an outspoken faith, if there is any faith at all? Will you bring to him who redeemed you a cowardly faith, 
to him who intercedes for you a silent faith, or to him who opened your eyes a faith which doesn't dare to look your fellow men in the face? No. Speak out, and let the world know that he who died on Calvary is the Son of God to you, even if he is not to anybody else. The question ought to be answered, answered before men, and answered at once. Do not delay. Make haste to keep your Lord's command. The question ought to be answered at once, because it is that important. If you don't believe on the Son of God, where are you? You are not alive unto God, for the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11. You can't stand, because it's written, Thou by faith art standing. Romans 11.20. You cannot work for God, because it is faith that works by love. Where is your justification if you have no faith? A man is justified by faith. Romans 3.28. Where is your sanctification? The Lord says that they may receive remission of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by the faith that is in me. Acts 26.18. Where is your salvation without faith? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Acts 16.31. You cannot be or do anything acceptable without faith, because without faith it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6. You are in an evil situation, and will soon be in a worse one, unless you can say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I trust Him as my all in all. He who does not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is under present condemnation, because he that does not believe is condemned already. John 3.18. Condemned already. Therefore, this question must be answered immediately, unless you are content to dwell under wrath and content to live unreconciled to God. While you sit in that position, you are in danger of the wrath to come. Can you be content? You are losing time as long as you remain in ignorance as to your faith. If you are not believing in Jesus, you are spending your days in death and alienation from God. If there is a question as to whether you have believed on the Son of God, it is no question that you are losing comfort and happiness. If you go up and down this troubled world without an assurance of your acceptance with God, you are losing power to honor the name of the Lord by a joyful conversation. You are in an inconsistent position and an inconvenient one. If you really haven't believed in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you are resting short of eternal life. Meanwhile, you come up to the Lord's house and take part in worshipping Him while you deny Him the first essential of true worship, your faith in Him. If you have not believed that Jesus is the Son of God, the hope that you will ever do so grows fainter every day. The longer a man lingers in any state, the more likely it is that he will continue there. When men have grown accustomed to do evil, the prophet cries over them, Can the Ethiopian change his skin, or the leopard his spots? Jeremiah 13.23 It's an awful thing to have heard the gospel for a long time in vain. If even the appeals of Calvary are lost on you, what's left? Gospel-hardened sinners are hardened indeed. Some of you have been unbelievers in the Lord Jesus Christ for fifty years, and, I fear, will die in unbelief. What then? The number of unbelievers is terrible, 
Scripture, If ye do not believe that I am, ye shall die in your sins. John 8.24 Tremendous words, Die in your sins. That is what will, in all probability, happen to many of you. No, it will surely happen, unless you believe on the Son of God. So answer this question at once. Do not delay for an hour. If the answer is unsatisfactory, the situation can be changed if you attend to it at once. He that has not yet believed on the Son of God may still do so. You still have time, but don't laugh in the face of mercy. The light of another Sabbath still shines upon you, and his patience is not yet exhausted. The gospel is still preached in your ears, so the day of hope is not over. The Bible is still open in front of you, and the gate of mercy is open for all who will enter by faith. So I pray that you would believe on the Son of God right now. You may not live to see another Lord's day, so snatch the present opportunity. Soon news will come to us about you, as it has so often come about others. He is dead, or she has gone. Since eternity can be molded by today, I pray that you would arouse yourselves. Examine your faith in Jesus, because if that's right, all is well. But if that is found insufficient, all is insufficient. The question may be very important to us if we answer it. So my final point is this. The question may be very important to us if we answer it. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Suppose you have to answer the question in the negative. If you are compelled to sigh and say no, then so be it, and look the truth in the face. It will tend to wake you up from your carelessness if you know where you are. One came to join the Christian church the other day, who said, While I was at work in the parlour, this thought suddenly came to me. You are an unsaved woman. I couldn't shake it off. I went down to my cooking in the kitchen, but it followed me. From the fire and from the water, I seemed to hear the accusation, You are an unsaved woman. When I went in to my meals, I could scarcely eat my bread because of this choking thought. It haunted me. You are an unsaved woman. It wasn't long before that unsaved woman desired the Lord, and became a saved woman by faith in Christ Jesus. Oh, I wish I could put this idea into some minds right now. You are an unsaved man. You do not believe on the Son of God, so you are full of bitterness and held captive by sin. I would like to make the seat you sit upon become hard, and this building to grow uncomfortable to you, so that you would vow, Please God, if I can only stagger home, I will seek my bedside and cry for mercy. I wish you were even under greater urgency, and would beg the Lord for mercy at once, on the spot. I think you would do so if you answered this question fairly, and felt that the reply must be, No. But suppose you are able to say yes. This question will have done you great service, because it will have brought you great peace. As long as you leave this matter in doubt, you will be tossed back and forth. But when it's decided, you will enter into rest. Peace like a river will flow into your soul when you can say, I do believe, I will believe, that Jesus died for me, that on the cross He shed His blood from sin to set me free. Know that He is yours, and you will rejoice in Him. You cannot obtain settled peace until you settle this question. Once this is done, 
you will try to do something for Jesus to show your gratitude for His salvation. Until I know that I am saved, I will have no heart for holy work. A wise man stops at home and looks after his own concerns as long as he feels that they are in danger, but when they are all safe, he can look to the interests of his neighbors. When I know I am saved and that there is nothing more for me to do in that matter, because Christ has finished it all, then I ask what I can do for him who has done so much for me. Where is the child or the man I can talk to about my Savior? I will go and look for lost ones and tell them of a present salvation. Perhaps I have never dared to speak to my wife or my children about eternal life, but now that I possess it and know that I do, because I believe on the Son of God, I will begin to instruct others in this good doctrine. Yes, application grows out of assurance. And what a help assurance will be in times of trouble! You may be facing trials, but if you can say, I know that I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you will have peace. Is it a surgical operation? You will lie still and yield yourself up to the surgeon's knife, come life or death, and you will do it easily. Is it cruel persecution which you have to face tomorrow? You will not be afraid, but, believing in Jesus, you will take up his cross. Are you growing old and thinking of the time when you must die? It will not matter, because you know that you will only be going home since you believe on the Son of God. He never lets a soul believe on him in vain. He never casts away a poor heart that trusts him. What strength your faith will give you! You will be a hero, whereas you might have been a coward. Now that you know and are sure that you believe on the Son of God, you will fear no evil. This will fill you with holy enthusiasm and praise. You have been saying, I don't know how I can be so dull and stupid. I go to the house of God and I don't feel the power of the word. I'm afraid that I'm not a Christian. Well, as long as you have that crippling fear upon you, you will not be sensitive to the cheering truth. But when you know that you believe on the Son of God and are sure of your salvation, your heart will beat to another tune, and the music of the upper spheres will take possession of your bosom. I wouldn't be surprised if you sing as Top Lady does, Yes, I to the end shall endure, as sure as the earnest is given, more happy but not more secure, the glorified spirits in heaven. You will begin to taste heavenly happiness when you have a sense of heavenly certainty. When you are moved with gratitude and filled with joy, the result will be a great concern for others who have not believed on the Son of God. You will look at unbelievers with sorrow and alarm. Perhaps they are very wealthy, but you will despise their gold because it blinds their eyes. They might be very clever, but you will not worship their abilities because the eternal light is hidden from their eyes. You will say to yourself, They may have all their wealth and all their cleverness, but I have the Son of God. In having Christ, you have more than Alexander possessed when he had won the world. He could conquer the earth, but he could not win heaven, because he knew nothing of believing on the Son of God. In this respect, you have done more than an angel could do because an angel has no lost soul to trust to the Son of God, and no sin to wash away in the Saviour's blood. But you have trusted Him, and you have been washed in His blood, and you are clean. Go home and sing, my brother. 
Go home and proclaim it to your friends that Jesus is the Son of God and abundantly able to save. Go home and weep some poor sinner to Jesus. Go home and refuse to rest until you can say to God, Here I am, and the souls that you have given me. We are believing on the Son of God. Peace be with you. Amen.